Good morning. How are we all doing? It's great to see you this morning. Uh, as Steve said, my name's Aaron, and I'm one of the elders here at Grace Church. Now, this last few weeks, as many of you will know, we've been working our way through a short series on spiritual gifts. So for the first three weeks of the series, Steve led us in looking at what we've been calling the more charismatic of the spiritual gifts, focusing firstly on the gift of prophecy, just as Paul himself did in verse 1 of Corinthians 14, where he encourages believers to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that they may prophesy. And then following this, we focused on other charismatic spiritual gifts, such as healing and speaking in tongues. Then last week, Ben led us and introduced us to uh, the less obviously charismatic spiritual gifts, but Ben's focus was particularly on speaking type gifts. So for example, teaching, prophecy, and exhorting. So this morning, we're going to continue looking at what we've been calling the less charismatic type gifts, but we're going to be focusing instead on what we're calling the gifts of a deed. Now, before we look at this passage, it's just worth reminding ourselves that whilst we see these broad categories, nowhere in the Bible does it actually separate gifts in this way. Quite the opposite. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6, Paul says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, it's hugely important that we grasp this. All gifts, be they publicly miraculously or be they given in private without fanfare, are from the same God. All gifts. But nonetheless, because of the broad nature of spiritual gifts, it's helpful for us to categorize them in the way that we have when thinking about them. So if you could turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12, where we're going to read verses 3 to 8. So it's Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. In prophecy, in proportion to our faith. In service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. So here we see Paul is highlighting that we've each been given different gifts in order that we may function, in order that we may thrive as a body. 
And then he briefly describes how we should use these gifts. So just to highlight the gifts that we're going to be paying attention to this morning, the gifts of deed, we see in this passage that we can be gifted in a number of ways. So firstly, it says we can be gifted in serving. And I think this means meeting the practical needs of the church. So maybe a good example of this in our context is the person who arrives faithfully every Saturday morning and helps get set up and then stays later every Saturday morning and helps us to clear down. And we also read that we can be gifted in contribution. Maybe God has given us the resources to give regularly and sacrificially to support the mission of the church. And we can be gifted in showing mercy. This is in showing kindness. This is in showing compassion to those that need it the most. Intentionally seeking to meet the needs of the poor and the sick and the needy. But this isn't a complete list. These aren't the only ways that God can gift us in deeds. For example, we also read in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, this, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So again, thinking about deed gifts, these aren't the only ways that God can gift us. For example, it says here that we can have the gift of helping. So this is about seeing and meeting the needs of others. So I think this could be very, very broad in what that practically looks like. But maybe a good example is if you know somebody who's struggling, maybe a mum or a dad, is seeing that need and thinking, how can I be involved? How can I help that person? And the other gift we see here is the gift of administrating, having the ability to organize and to implement plans, to get stuff done. And we're currently looking for somebody to support the, the kind of management and, and running of our Saturday mornings, which is a great example of how the administration gift could be used in practice. Currently, Ben is kind of having to deal with all the gifts in running the, the service and leading the worship. So to have somebody help him in administrating would be great. So if you're interested in volunteering this way, speak to myself or Ben, one of the elders or your home group leader, and we'd love to have you using that gifting amongst us. Now, just as we saw with the word gifts as well, I don't think that even these two lists of deed gifts are kind of exhaustive. I don't think everything is included in there. Now, I've got two reasons for thinking this. So firstly, with the exception of the gift of administration, which some people definitely don't have, all of the, gift, uh, the deed gifts listed here are things that every single believer is called to do. So that includes every one of us in this room that follows Jesus. These are things that we're all meant to be doing, to serve, to give, to show mercy, to help. And of course, there's a lot of overlap in these activities. They're not always in boxes. But what this isn't in this list of several items is not a list of all the things that we as Christians are called to be doing. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it stands to reason that God would and could gift us in all areas of good works that he's prepared for us, not just for the examples listed here in Scripture. And it would seem the gift element, as Ben looked at last week, is that some are enabled by the Spirit to do these good works in ways that are more effective and are to be exercised more frequently than others. Not only this, when it comes as a gift, it would make sense that it would come easier to somebody who has it, and it would bring them more joy. And then the second reason that I think this isn't an exhaustive list of deed gifts is based on the purpose that we see for spiritual gifts, which is highlighted a little bit earlier in the book of Romans. In Romans 1, verses 11 to 12, it says this, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is, that we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. We see in this passage two reasons for why God gives spiritual gifts. Firstly, to strengthen and encourage those around us. And secondly, we also see that spiritual gifts encourage the individual who's received the gift, as we see this mutual encouragement of each other's faith. In other words, gifts are given in order to build up the whole church. God gives one person a gift for the whole body. So I think to suggest that we should lift, sorry, limit the list of spiritual gifts just to lists that we can find in the New Testament misses the point. If there is a virtue that achieves these things, that is the strengthening and the encouragement of others and ourselves, then of course God can use that gift in this way. So it wouldn't appear as though there is an exhaustive, a complete list. And we like lists, don't we, so we can check ourselves off as to how we're doing them. But unfortunately, it wouldn't appear as though there is a complete list of these spiritual gifts. Rather, it would appear that any ability that can be used to benefit the church can be given by God as a spiritual gift. Which, to me, leads to the natural question of what then is the gift between my talents, my normal abilities and something that is given to me by God as a spiritual gift. Well, I think, again, if we look closely at these verses in Romans 11 and 12, Romans 1, sorry, 11 and 12, we can see the answer to this. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul is saying here that the way that he is going to strengthen their faith by his spiritual gift is by encouraging them with his faith. In verse 11, it says the goal is to strengthen the reader. That is the church in Rome. Then in verse 12, the goal is to bring them encouragement. In verse 11, he strengthens faith 
by his spiritual gift. In verse 12, he encourages them by his faith. From these verses, what we see is that a spiritual gift is in itself an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith. A spiritual gift is an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith. It is exercised through the faith of one person, aiming for faith in another. Another way to put it would be this. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively for the strengthening of somebody else's faith, or indeed our own. And it's really helpful for us to think about spiritual gifts of deed in this way, because it keeps us from equating them to natural abilities. Because, of course, many people have a natural capacity, a natural capability for administrating, for example. And of course, in one very real sense, every ability that we have is God-given, whether we recognize that, whether we worship God for that or not. But this capacity, this ability, cannot be rightly called a spiritual gift of administration if it is neither an expression of faith nor if it's intending to build up the faith, to strengthen the faith of another. Galatians 3 verse 5 says this, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? In other words, our faith in what God has promised to us is the channel through which the Spirit flows to strengthen the faith of another. Therefore, you could have the most amazing set of abilities. And we all know people like this, don't we? Kind of irritating people who are just so capable at everything. But if you have these abilities and you're not relying on God, and if you're not using them to help others rely on God, then that ability, it's not a spiritual gift. It can't be because the Holy Spirit is not flowing through it from faith, through faith, to achieve faith in others. But rather, it's just a gifting that you have. So this is a really important moment for us to reflect when we think about our own giftings, our own abilities. We should ask ourselves, am I using my skills, my abilities, my talents in such a way that expresses full reliance on God? When I use these things, are they out of faith in him? And of course, the parallel question of am I using these things to strengthen faith in others? Or is there another purpose behind why I'm exercising the gifts that I'm exercising? And you might be sat here this morning asking the question, well, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts of deed are. As we've already seen, we're, we're all called as Christians to practice most of them anyway. So how do I know which ones are my gifts and which ones are me just being uh, doing the things that I, I'm meant to be doing? 
And of course, with more charismatic gifts, it can be easier to discern this. So for example, if you regularly pray for somebody to be healed, for people to be healed, and you see them healed, then it's, it's likely that you have some measure of the gift of healing. But I think what we see here in Romans 1 verses 11 and 12 is that we shouldn't spend too much time worrying and wondering what specifically our gifts are of deed or of action. But rather, as we saw earlier, most of these things are things that we're all called to do. So therefore, as Ben said last week, we should seek just to be doing them out of faith in God for him to strengthen the faith of others and to bring encouragement to others and to ourselves. And if we find that we're fruitful, if we find that we have particular encouragement or we bring particular encouragement to others in these areas, then I think we can say we've received a spiritual gift. Okay, so just to summarize where we've got to so far, spiritual gifts of deed, indeed all spiritual gifts, are given to strengthen and to encourage the whole body of Christ, which, as we'll see later, serves the ultimate purpose of bringing glory to him. And we've seen there is no definitive list in the New Testament of spiritual gifts of deed. So likewise, our prayer to God should be, Lord, give me these gifts, not so that I can name them or list them or check them off, but give me these gifts so that I can bring glory to you and bring me, Lord, sorry, give me, Lord, uh, the desire to strengthen faith and bring encouragement to others. We shouldn't just be praying that God gives us a gift, which we should be praying, of course, but it should be out of a desire to serve others in this way. And if we have a desire to strengthen those around us, to strengthen our brothers and sisters, then, of course, it makes sense. It would seem right and proper, wouldn't it, that we do this as effectively as we can, right? It would make sense. Which I think then raises the question, should we then see that some spiritual gifts are of more value than others? Should we be focusing more on certain gifts if we see them as being more effective? And when we look at the world around us, we can clearly see where the world places value. So consider, for example, the highest earning uh, sportsman from 2020, according to Forbes, was Conor McGregor, mixed martial artist Conor McGregor. Now, in total, he got paid in 2020 a whopping 660 million dirhams. He had one fight in that time, 600 and 60 million dirhams. And what Conor McGregor is able to do with his body is undoubtedly extremely impressive. His endurance, his strength, his speed for mere mortals like most of us in this room is incredible. It's almost superhuman, which is, of course, why people are willing to pay so much money to see him fight and why people are willing to, to, to purchase the products that he endorses, because a high value is placed on his seemingly magical physical abilities. And let's compare that to the highest earning actor of 2020. So that was Dwayne Johnson, also known 
as The Rock. Now, Dwayne Johnson earned just over half of what Conor McGregor got. So he got a paltry 325 million uh, dirhams to have to get by on. It's tough work, but he made it. He got through. But seriously, it's a, it's a lot of money, isn't it? And again, we see that the world places a lot of value on the top actors. Those that are able to portray another role. Those that are able to communicate effectively. And finally, let's compare the salaries of your sportsman and your movie star to somebody that serves others. Somebody that, that is regularly doing deeds for others. Now, probably the job that encapsulates this the most, I would say, is a nurse, but you may have different examples. Now, of course, nurses' salaries are going to be very wide and they're going to be very varied due to a number of factors. But as we've gone with the highest paid sportsman and the highest paid actor, we'll go in the similar end when we think about nurses. So the country that pays the most in the world, on average, to nurses... And I can tell who the nurses are in this room at the moment because they seem to be paying extra attention. But the country that pays the most to nurses is Luxembourg, where on average nurses are paid 335,000 dirhams per year, which in itself is obviously a very good salary. But it's 0.05% of what Conor McGregor earns. And it's 0.1% of what Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, earned. Now, of course, there are a lot of things that we could say about this, but that's not my focus this morning. But the picture is clear. The world places a high value on people that can do things that would appear to be impossible to others. And it's not quite as impressive, but the world also places a high value on those that are able to act, to convince, to orate. And financially, at least, a lower value is seemingly placed on those who help and serve and do. And these values are thrown at us every day and they can creep into our own thinking. We can think of the charismatic gifts such as prophecy and healing as being of highest value because they are the most impressive, the miraculous, the impossible. And we can put gifts of preaching and teaching in the next bracket because they're on stage, they're public. And we can think of the gifts that we're looking at this morning, gifts of deed, as being valuable, of course, but, but somehow they're less than others because they come with less hurrah. Maybe because they bring less glory to the person who's received the gift. So we should ask ourselves, well, is there an element where this is correct where we should see the more impressive gifts as having a higher value than the others. After all, didn't Paul say, haven't we looked at several times over the last few weeks in Corinthians 14.1, that we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy? Well, let's look again at the passage we began with this morning. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God 
has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All gifts are given by God. He decides who receives which gifts. As we read, as we read in verse 3, what we receive is based on God's grace not on our earning. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And next we see the body has many parts, each serving their individual purpose. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So in this way, the gifts are equal in value because they're given by God. So whilst as Paul commands in 1 Corinthians 14.1, we should earnestly desire all gifts, especially we should be desiring prophecy, we should also know that as long as we are earnestly desiring the gifts, then God will give them to us according to his plan that will bring him the most glory and will bring us the most joy. In many ways, For me personally, the lack of fanfare that comes with spiritual gifts of deed can actually make them seem more impressive because the motivation is not for personal glory. Rather, it's to bless others and to bring glory to God, to strengthen and to encourage the church. I'm regularly amazed and humbled by people here in Grace Church when I hear of how they are serving and loving people around them. It's an incredibly beautiful thing to see when we see the church operating in this way. And it is an amazing witness to the world. Indeed, exercising spiritual gifts of deed fulfills John's instruction in John 13, sorry, Jesus' instruction in John 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And exercising these spiritual gifts of deed, serving, helping, showing mercy is indeed an expression of this love that we're to have for one another. So let's earnestly press in for more spiritual gifts whilst diligently ensuring that we are exercising, we're using the ones that God has already given us. And hand in hand with this, we can also see that God does not only decide who receives which gifts, but also he decides the measure with which we receive them. This is shown in verse 3 where he says the gifts are given according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then again in verse 6, he says that We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. In other words, any distinction that sets you apart from any other person is entirely as a result of grace. That is, it's given freely by God. 
It's not something that anyone has earned. It's nothing, of course, that any of us have deserved. So neither should we be prideful and boastful in our gifting, nor should we look enviously or self-pityingly at those that we perceive are more gifted than us. As we've just seen, we are a body, and regardless of what is seemingly more impressive with human eyes, all of us are needed to function properly. Paul explains this in more depth in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, then that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. God made you uniquely. The gifts that he has given you and the measure with which he has given them to you is for an essential purpose. An eye is a wonderful thing. It is intricate and it is, it's, it's mind-blowing when you kind of begin to understand how, how it works. It enables us to see the beauty of everything that God has created. But on its own, it is extremely limited in function. And like, likewise, like, like me, you can look at, because I can't sing, but you can look at the worship team and just be in awe of how gifted they are, for example, in leading us in worship, in their leadership abilities, in their, their, their musical abilities. And it's just amazing how they lead us into the presence of God because he has blessed them in this way. Week out, week in, they bless us with this, this leadership, this musical ability. But without the congregation here this morning for the worship team to lead, the worship team are just like us. They're, they're worshipping God. More importantly, without Jesus to worship, they're just a band. We all need each other to function as a body as God has intended. And most importantly, we all need Jesus. So if we feel either proud or self-pitying at the measure of gifting that we have, then we need to see that these are just two sides of the same coin of sinful independence. And our response must be to repent of this and again seek first the giver of the gifts, whilst at the same time still earnestly desiring them out of love in order to build up, to strengthen, and to encourage the body. Because we all have a part to play. Again, as we saw last week, each one of us has at least one spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's just cement this in place. 
If you are following Jesus, then as a steward of his grace, you have at least one gift with which to serve others. It's so important that we understand the spiritual gifts are not for a few, but they are for all. Every single believer has abilities which the Holy Spirit has given and can use to strengthen others. As we've seen, every, body, every part of the body needs the other parts in order to play its role. And when we discover these, when we get to use them for the sake of bringing our brothers and sisters encouragement and joy, it brings us encouragement and joy. And you will find your spiritual gifts if you desire to be God's instrument in bringing this faith, this joy, this encouragement to other people. To reiterate my earlier point, we should be praying that God not only gives us spiritual gifts, but that he increases in us the desire to strengthen and encourage those around us. As Ben explained last week, by describing us here in verse 10 as stewards, Peter is creating a picture of a master's house with variously talented people who are given the master's funds, his belongings, to distribute to other members of the household and the guests. In other words, as recipients of God's grace, it is our duty to pass it on to others. And the vehicle by which we pass God's grace on to others is often spiritual gifts. This gives us another really helpful definition of what a spiritual gift is. They are abilities with which we receive the grace of God and pass this grace on to others. So Grace Church, and the clue is in our name. We need to look and see that God has poured out upon us grace upon grace upon grace. At the cross, Jesus died. He took our sins. He took our punishment due to us. It's gone. And we are risen with him in his resurrection for an eternity of life-giving, soul-satisfying worship. That is what is laid out before us. This is infinite grace that we have received. So we can freely pass it on to others, knowing that we're never going to run out. As we read here in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, we just need to keep relying on God to give us all that we need to serve others. Where we are told that we are to serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He will provide us with that strength. He will give us everything that we need to be stewards of God's immeasurable grace towards others. And as we do this, as we saw in Romans 1 verse 12, we ourselves will be encouraged. This gives more rise to, to faith in us. It enlarges our own view of God's grace, meaning we're going to have even more to pour out on others. It's like the kind of the ultimate virtuous circle. So let's seek to be generous stewards of God's grace, knowing that we ourselves will receive more grace and more faith and we'll receive more strength and we'll receive more encouragement as we do so. Now, just as we come to a close, we've seen this morning that spiritual gifts are given to us for the purpose of strengthening and encouraging the body of Christ. And this is a hugely important purpose. But actually, we need to see that this is not their end. This is not their ultimate purpose. These, in some senses, are a means 
to a greater end. And we see that here in verse 11, that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. This means that God's ultimate aim, his ultimate aim in giving us gifts, in giving us the faith to exercise them, is that his glory might be displayed for the world to see him as he is and to rightly respond with the praise and the worship that is due his name. As we read in Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things. All things come from God and belong to God. Everything. We can't even begin to understand, to comprehend the full extent of his majesty, of his glory. But whilst this side of Jesus' return, we may not be able to fully grasp this. There is nothing that is more exciting. There is nothing more joyful, more meaningful, more satisfying than to find our purpose in the eternal unfolding of God's glory. You might be sat here this morning feeling that compared to God's glory, you can't even think about God's glory because compared to that, your gifts are tiny. They're insignificant even. But what we must see is that God is not giving us gifts in order that we compare them to his glory as if they're somehow separate from who he is or more ridiculous that we're kind of somehow in competition with his glory. Amazingly, the gifts he gives us make up part of this incredible revelation of God's infinite glory. This changes everything. If you are, for example, this afternoon exercising the gift of hospitality by opening up your home with the goal of strengthening and encouraging others in the church, you're not just opening your home as an act of kindness, as important as that may be. You are actively displaying the glory of God. And as we've seen, we all have gifts that are given by God. And because of this, they all have eternal value that is immeasurable. Because to display the glory of God is the chief end of man. And if we do this through exercising of spiritual gifts, then of course it brings into sharp contrast why it is so important that we are earnestly desiring these things. So Grace Church, let's together seek hard after these things. Let's seek hard to strengthen and encourage one another in this way so that we are all the more glorifying to Jesus, which in turn will bring all the more joy to us. Oh God, we thank you that all things are dependent on you. Lord Jesus, we turn our face towards you and we ask, Lord, that you would pour your spirit out upon us, Lord, that you would give us new gifts, Lord, that you would help us to have the faith to exercise the gifts that you have given us. Ultimately, Lord, to bring glory to yourself because you are worthy of all honour and all praise, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen us and you would encourage us this week, Lord, through the sharing, through the exercising of spiritual gifts in order, as I say, Lord, to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.